welcome to Exposing Your High School Reading List. This podcast is dedicated to unpacking and improving the high school English curriculum. Today, Becca is gone. We hope she has an amazing time at the My Chemical Romance concert, and we are all very jealous. Very jealous. Absolutely. (laughs) So, while she's gone, we will be talking about Of Mice and Men, which Becca did not have to read. We would like to direct anyone who thinks there might be a trigger warning, vaguely remembers it, to booktriggerswarning.com. Okay, and today our little icebreaker is what musical instrument fits your vibe? Ooh, okay, so I'm Greta, naturally, and I do play the saxophone. That should be made clear right off the bat. I don't know if that immediately fits my vibe, but if it's not the saxophone, then I feel like it has to be a trombone. I like it for you. I could see that. (laughs) Greta's great at the saxophone, by the way. I feel like that needs to be said. I haven't gotten to hear her play yet. One day. I'm so jealous. And I'm a huge fan of jazz, so like I can say that. I'm qualified (laughs) to make that that judgment. Yeah. I'm Lauren. I play too many instruments. Uh, None of them I play well anymore. I used to be very good. I think for my vibe, though, it's either my flute or my violin, and I'm not sure which fits me more. Pick one. Pick one. I'm going to say violin because it was my first instrument. Nice. I feel like we should assign Becca an instrument that fits the vibe. I feel like Becca might be mad at us. We picked the wrong one. I don't know, though, because I feel like Becca has a flute vibe. I know. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Oh, Oh my gosh. I I feel like it's a flute vibe. Maybe it's like a, a piccolo. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Specifically Piccolo. Okay, yes. Becca. Piccolo. Becca has a Piccolo episode. Vibe. Let us know. Congratulations. You're now a Piccolo. <laughs> She's right. now embodied by a Piccolo. Yes. Elise. Okay, I'm Elise, and technically the only instrument that I play is ukulele. I don't know if that fits my vibe. Who knows? I think if it's not that, then maybe it's a kazoo. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I think you fit uke vibe. You're so pretty in cottagecore. I... <laughs> I can't comment to that. <laughs> Thank you. I I can. I agree. Um, I think that the kazoo is a little bit too like crass. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. I was going to say personality vibe. I I do think it's whimsical. I feel like I think ukulele is those, more whimsical. One of those like slide whistles. Slide whistle. Maybe I'm a slide whistle. I love a slide whistle. This is super important. <laughs> I think we should spend the whole podcast talking about. No, it's really important that we actually do get to talk to of mice and men because there's so many problematic things to talk about. There there's so a lot. There's a lot. Things. And and I think I was the only one here who also had to read another Steinbeck, Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, which I did not. surprised me on how low that was um, ranked in like the survey for how many people had to had to read that one. I think that's probably been phased out a little bit more. That was something that I read in AP English, so who knows? That was terrible. I did not enjoy that experience uh, yeah. at all, to no fault of my teacher. Yeah, I, I spoke to uh, one of my friends in band. If they're listening to this, they know who that is. <laughs> and they were telling me they hadn't filled out the survey, which shame on them. <laughs> I know. They but better fill it out now. <laughs> but uh, they were telling me that The Grapes of Wrath was like their worst experience in high school was reading that book. And I, yeah, I've, I've never met anyone that's enjoyed it. But but this is a Steinbeck slander account. Yeah, I know nothing so. of Steinbeck, but I think he needs to be phased out. <laughs> I, I agree. And I think there was a there was a quote that I cannot quote um, word for word because of some... Uh, censoring things that we will not, you know, get into, mm-hmm. some language. 
Um, but there was definitely some passionate Steinbeck hating from one reviewer in particular. You know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate your comment as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> Not just because of the Steinbeck hating. Anyway, 50% of our survey t- takers, about 50%, I think it was 48.5% or something real high, um, actually had to read of Mice and Men. So it's very relevant. Yes, it is. I'm very curious to see how many of our survey takers read it in middle school like I did rather than high school. Yeah, if see, that number would have been higher. That surprised me so much just because of like the the amount of trigger warnings that are in this book. And, oh, it was um, deeply traumatizing. Right. Like one, once again, if you have not read this book and like do not know, please look up the trigger warnings before listening yes. to this episode, but let's get into that now. Yeah, so I read this in eighth grade, and I love my eighth grade English teacher to death. Do not get me wrong. She is one of my favorite people in the entire world. Same. Right? (laughs) However, as someone with autism who read this book in eighth grade, I was so terrified of growing up and becoming like Lenny Mm -hmm. because Uh, Right after this is when our cat had kittens and I had to help my mom take care of him because we had a runt of the litter that the mom rejected who we had to bottle feed every four hours. And every time I helped, I was so scared I was going to accidentally kill this kitten. It does not help that the kitten did pass away under my care because it had an inverted rib cage. But like I was so traumatized by this book. Yeah. So just like... For, for our readers' sake, would you mind, like, recapping, like, the general vibe of, like, what happens with Lenny in the book? Yeah, so Lenny is a very tall, very large, mentally disabled individual who is with his friend that I don't remember the name yeah, of. Yeah, not important. Uh, <laughs> and they go to work on this farm. And I remember there's a wiry, mean guy who, like, owns the farm, and his wife is this ditzy, blonde housewife. And Lenny gets a puppy because one of the dogs has a litter and the guy is like, oh yeah, sure, you can have one. And he accidentally snaps its neck. Because he's too strong. And he doesn't realize his strength. Right. And um, I did look it up because I also forgot the name. Yeah. Uh, George. Lenny and George. 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 Yes. 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 So then, you know, they have to bury the puppy and Lenny is very, very upset. He did not mean to do it, which, again, terrifying. And then... There's a scene that happens with, uh, I think her name is Cindy, the wife of the guy, where uh, it ends with her being strangled to death. Yeah, Mm -hmm. by Lenny. By Lenny, and it is horrifying, and George winds up killing Lenny. Right, and it's like it's like framed as though like he's doing the world a favor, right? You know, like, like he has to put like, him down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He takes yeah, him out like, to the woods, and he's like, "Yeah, Lenny, look at how pretty those flowers are." Yeah, and it's like really deeply upsetting. Yeah, yeah, right. And I mean, I mean, you you mentioned right that you are you are autistic. Like, how did how did reading this book affect you, especially at such a young age? So. <laughs> I already at this point was having a very, very hard time with my autism because in the early 2000s, you know, because I got diagnosed when I was in third grade, which is rare for a female or anyone really that they catch it that early. And unfortunately for me, that was around the time when everyone and their mother was like, we have to fix autism. We have to save the autistic. And 
my parents who didn't really know what was going on and the researchers who didn't really know what was going on was like, she's going to live with her parents forever. She's never going to go to college. She's never going to amount to anything. And so already being in that state of feeling like I have to hide who I am and I have to try and convince everyone I'm more than this. And then having to read a book where a guy gets murdered for being mentally disabled, I felt even worse about it. I felt like I couldn't tell anyone. I felt like I was going to become this monster who didn't know any better. Yeah, no, that's, and that's absolutely disgusting. And frankly, John Steinbeck, if I ever see you, we're throwing hands. Is he still alive? No. (laughs) I was like, I hope not. I didn't think so, but (laughs) he just had no right to talk about any of the stuff that he did, honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was so, especially the murder, it was just, it felt so unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Like, it it was shock factor. That's the way that it felt to me. Like, you know, as a storyteller myself, it felt like he was doing it not because of the way that the story was moving, but because, oh, well, like, this character is going to do this really bad thing, even though it doesn't make sense. Because right through the whole book, pretty much, Lenny is, like, accidentally killing mice. He's accidentally yeah. killing bunnies. Like, there's a lot. And he just, he's so upset about it. And I, it's, it, it just doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. Because if he didn't want to, which he clearly, like, said a lot of times, and he was visibly upset about it after accidentally killing a mouse, like, okay, mice are very small. Like, it doesn't take a lot of pressure to kill a mouse. It could be an accident. You can't accidentally strangle a person. It doesn't make sense. Right. And, you know, I mean, what you said about it being used, the death being used as, like, shock factor, I mean, that's how it was presented in class, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, I don't know about for you guys, but there were no content warnings, no trigger warnings provided in our class, and it seemed in part because, like, our teachers wanted to see our reactions, you know, Mm -hmm. and everyone was horrified, naturally, because, obviously, like, you're not expecting to get a message of, like, oh, let's let's euthanize these disabled people in your English Mm -hmm. class, and that's essentially what we got from it. Yeah, right. Because it wasn't framed in another way, right? Because, you know, uh, a friend pointed out to me, like, you know, teachers don't get to pick and choose the books that they want to teach in most cases. And that that is true. But the way that they frame them is something that they can have a, a lot more freedom with. And, you know, reading that, I remember so little about what the actual message was other than the things that we got from reading it, which were, really messed up and just disgusting from Steinbeck. Was there actually a message in Of Mice and Men? Because all I remember from it is murder and horror. It's supposedly to teach empathy. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, let's, let's talk about compassion for your fellow humans. And yeah, yeah. We, would we like to write yeah, a quote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, you know, in, in doing some research about this book and, and why we still teach it, I stumbled upon an article from BBC, and we will link this in the description of the episode so you can go see it for yourself. So the person, Susan Van Kirk, who was the author of the Cliff Notes Revision Guide for Of Mice and Men, has this quote here. Um, of Mice and Men has universal themes that can be read in any culture and time. John Steinbeck wrote of lessons of the heart, lessons that teach children what it is to be a human being with compassion for his fellow humans and a social conscience. And it's that's really like setting him up and setting him apart. Like, okay, every good 
book teaches you what it is to be a human yeah. being. Right. Every right. good book shows you compassion for your fellow humans. Right. I cannot imagine reading that and being like, oh, he puts down his best friend to save humanity. He's right. such a good person. Right, and like this idea of like social conscience, like, oh, that was the right thing to do. Like, what are we saying? What message are we trying to get across? You Makes know? Makes me want to vomit. I know. It's it's astounding. Because okay, so even if you know if you're if you're supposed to teach this book, if you have to teach this book and you are listening to us right now and you're thinking, well, no, of course, like the ending, we don't support that. But, but where is it otherwise? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, where does it actually teach us empathy to the extent that, you know, a thousand other books could teach us? Yeah. Right, because if the idea is like, oh, you know, like George and Lenny are such good friends and that friendship is like the sign of compassion and, and whatever, you know, then it's like, oh, so George is a good person for being kind to this disabled man? Is that what we're teaching? Like, Because he was also reliant on right. him, right? Like, right? like, I don't remember any specific details but like we assume that they were making wages okay then who was in charge of the wages who was who kept them i think they explicitly say that george is in charge of it okay cool so that's something that i remember and not just something that i have assumed (laughs) cool good for me i guess right so that's like there's total control like he's a guardian over him and so it's it's his responsibility to take care of him and then take care of him. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, like, it's it, it doesn't, it's not, like, a good friendship. No. It's not a good relationship. He has, George has power over Lenny in a really bad right. way, right. as we see in the end. And, and we didn't talk about that in class at all, right? It was mm-hmm. just, it was, it was treated like, oh, look at, like, the compassion that we have to have for Lenny because he's killing accidentally killing these mice and he's accidentally killing these puppies along the way. I'm going to be real. I don't remember anything my teacher tried to teach us about this book other than thinking, man, if Lenny just wants something soft so bad to pet, because that's why he kept accidentally killing all these things, why has not a single person gotten him like a soft corner of a blanket? Right, or like the, the pelt of an animal that's already been skinned, yeah. right? Like, like something like that, right? Yeah. Like he needed he some problems on a yeah. sensory thing to to deal with that, and and it wasn't provided. And like, like I get it. Like John Steinbeck was of a different time, I guess. Not an excuse, but <laughs> it's not. No, it's not. It's not because you can teach these things. You can, you know, this is another line from this website. Uh, Stand the test of time and speak of enduring human values. You can do that without without doing that yes <laughs> i agree you don't agree. it doesn't need to be this terrible end message and i don't know you know like okay had the book ended in death in another way had it been an mm-hmm. accident that wouldn't necessarily be something like it's not that yeah. he died and because you know part of my fear with suggesting other books particularly books with a happy ending is that bring us back to this conversation of things that have happy endings are automatically devalued yes. so you know to to kind of preemptively combat that critique it's it it's not that he died it's the way that he died yes. any other way that he had died would not have been as upsetting as george taking him out into the woods to take him out like a dog mm-hmm. yeah that said even if it was done a different way i'm not sure it it makes it a redeemable ending. Oh, oh no, 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 the book is, is completely flawed just because this is the one book I support burning. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's just 
like it's intrinsically flawed. The characters, the plot, it's it's deeply flawed. But you know, want to make sure that it's very clear to everyone. It's not just that he died. It's not a oh, book shouldn't have a sad ending. It's a hey, Steinbeck, what were you doing? (laughs) What is wrong with this man? Has he done this? Did he need to get this off his chest? No, I I don't know, and and like. It, my first thought is never like, oh, does he need to get this off his chest, right? Because, like, obviously, I don't assume <laughs> that Steinbeck took a mentally disabled friend out into the woods and euthanized him. But it does a little bit come across as, like, a weird fantasy thing, right? Like, yeah. savior right. complex. Like, yeah. like, oh, my God, I'm doing the moral thing by ridding the world of mental illness and mental disabilities like i don't know and it also almost comes across as like he's doing lenny a favor yeah like oh yeah. lenny no longer has to worry about accidentally killing mice he's in a better place is he <sighs> guys <laughs> i don't know i and i'm i'm try, as i'm sitting here i'm trying to think of like okay where do we see similar things in grapes of wrath and that book is just so weird on its own and it has such a weird ending if you've read it i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i i know you guys haven't and i'm not going to talk about it because the ending in particular is just really strange and i i understand the metaphors i understand the symbolism that's supposed to be happening happening there it's still really weird and i think john steinbeck needed to calm down in general general message message. john steinbeck needs to calm down call taylor swift figure it out (laughs) It's on the Lover album if he is confused. (laughs) Yeah, but okay, so moving forward, right, like how we obviously all agree that this is not a book that can be redeemable in the classroom. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. I just think in general. Yeah, outside outside of the classroom too. Like like, it shouldn't be taught anymore is Mm -hmm. is the general consensus here, yes? Yes. So what instead, right? That becomes the next question, like – if the main reason that we kept this book around in the first place is because we want to get across these themes of compassion and empathy and maybe also themes of innocence, if that's what Lenny's role in this book was supposed to be, then, you know, how can we do that without teaching Steinbeck? So part of what we did was because obviously we don't have time to read all of the books. We, we looked for book lists that tackle these topics and a lot of those lists were either exclusively for children and like middle school age students and books that are already on the high school reading list, like To Kill a Mockingbird. And and it's just so interesting because, you know, one of the lists was was coming of age mm-hmm. stories, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it featured night. Yeah, okay, which which not a coming of age story by yeah, story. Correct. Okay. Correct. Oh, yeah. Also, I don't know that like that, like, you should have to read about the Holocaust to, like, learn how to be yeah. a good person. I noticed on three separate lists they had books about the Holocaust. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. All yeah. right. Stay no. tuned for the night yeah. episode. The Book Thief was also on there as a coming-of-age one. Like, uh, Boy in Striped Pajamas. Right. Which I, is I saw one with the Diary of Anne Frank on it, mm-hmm. which we did read oh. that in eighth grade, too. Listen, I'm not going to diss any of these books except for the Boy in the Striped Pajamas, yeah, which I will, I will diss. Yeah but they should not be on on a list of books for specifically coming-of-age yeah. stuff, and you should not be reading it for that purpose specifically. But they are good books. Please read them for educational purposes. They are nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
Uh, yeah, it was kind of astounding to see the books that were on this list and how so many of them were repeats of, you know, these these books we had seen written by their white male authors. And they just, a lot of them weren't the vibe, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, that said, I think we, we kind of came up with some that could be good. Some, some books that were mentioned were The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, both of which have to do with coming of age and the, uh, themes of innocence, and both relate to empathy in different ways. Um, that said, you know, uh, we haven't read all the books, <laughs> like Elise says, and so we would really like to hear from you about what you think would be good alternatives to John Steinbeck generally, um, yes. but in particular to uh, Mice and Men, which is taught across the country in so many schools. So yeah, please let us know. And also let us know your experience reading of Mice and Men and how that affected you. Yes, please feel free to use this as catharsis, as a venting, ranting session. We want to hear from you. And you can do that by finding us on social media, so that is at E-Y-R-L podcast. That's at E-Y-R-L podcast on Twitter and Instagram. So you can reply to our tweets, tweet at us, comment on our Instagram posts. Um, we also have our website, which is E-Y-R-L podcast.wordpress.com. And you can email us at podcast E-Y-R-L at gmail.com. So that one is flipped. And you can still participate in our survey. So if you don't want to comment on social media, whatever, we get that. You can fill out the survey, check the boxes for the ones that you read in high school, and then rant in the comments section at the end. We really appreciate that. And that those are the quotes that end up on our show. So Yeah, so thank you so much for listening to this episode, listening to our frustrations with Of Mice and Men. We hope that you got something out of it and that we can work towards something